Happy Saturday out there to everybody. It is Front Runner Podcast Collective. I am your host, Vince. And Hoop fans, Hoop brothers and sisters, rejoice. We are about to get into a lot of basketball. But before we do that, I want to alert you. If this is your first time on the podcast, make sure you're following the podcast and you're getting the latest downloads. So you can get the information that you need to get. Um, Also, remember to rate us. Leave some comments. If your team is not being covered, a certain player needs to be hyped up more, spotlighted, or whatever the case may be. Maybe there's a draft prospect that you want us to hone in on. Let us know in the comments uh, on the podcast. And also, we have other ways for you to reach us. Um, the first way is through X, formerly known as Twitter, and that is Front Runner PC. And you can hit Nico up at, at Nico FRPC. You can check us out on YouTube. A lot of the stuff that we say here ends up on clips on YouTube. Now, usually we'll put in a couple things, some notes that we left out in the podcast. On the YouTube clip, so there's some some further information usually in the YouTube clip that we might have not gotten to during the podcast. And if you're there, subscribe to YouTube, right? Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Front Runner Podcast Collective. We need we need some help with the downloads, subscribes. We need all that. So I am here to ask for it. Now that we gotten all that out the way, we can get into the hoops. And I wanted to start off, first and foremost, with the game last night. We had a potential finals preview when the Nuggets ended the 20-game home winning streak of the Celtics. Um, the Nuggets kind of woke up from their midseason slumber and to take an undefeated streak away from the Celtics. I mean, it was prime. Um, championship fashion. And what I mean by that is that I've been on this planet for a little bit long, you know, longer. Um, You know, this is probably my fourth decade of really watching basketball. And I'll probably say that with an analytical eye, probably two decades, basically. And sometimes when you see a champion and they're going through the, the rigors of the season, what you tend to find is that they're not up for every game. I mean, this is not something new. I'm not I'm not breaking the fourth wall here with anything that I'm saying, but what I notice with real championship teams is that there are games where oh no, 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 no. Let us reintroduce ourselves to you. We are the class of this league. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. We are here to let everybody know we still run the NBA. Now, I saw it with Kobe and Shaq. I saw them in games where, um, you know, they would be disinterested against a Dallas team and then go up against a Portland team and be like, hey, we got to just show these guys what's up. You saw it with uh, some of the LeBron teams with Miami. Uh, you definitely saw it with uh, the Curry Warrior teams. They're not going to get up for every single game, but there's going to be certain games on the calendar that they're going to get up for. And this was the final piece for me to understand that the Nuggets were there, that they understood where they are and who who they are in the pecking order. And it's good to see that as much as Jokic seems not to care about winning or whatever, not not that he doesn't care about winning, is that he doesn't seem to relish any of the spotlight whatsoever, right? I thought it was really funny that this game was the game that we got to see the full array of talents from him. We already know that he's a, he's a 6'11 point guard. We already know that he's an offensive facilitating witch. We all we know that already. And it was just like, 
it was just a friendly reminder to any of the contenders out there at any point in time, I can just bust you. I can just bust your ass, basically. You know, I hate to even bring it down to that level, but you know sometimes when you are on, when you on the playground and there was a guy in front of you and you were like, oh yeah, I got this dude. Now, normally I was probably the dude that you was doing that to. No, you know, no shade, right? My sport was baseball, but I love basketball. But um, it was a situation where you knew. And Jokic is one of those cats that it just it permeates out of him. It was good to see. It was good to see him bring his championship medal in the regular season that he could just invoke it at any point in time. So that was good to see. Um, this is what great players do and teams do. They they get something, they get their juices flowing, and what could be better than a 20-game home winning streak that you can just go ahead and ruin? Jamal Murray seemed locked in, scoring 35 points. He did it on 15 of 21 shooting from the field, and then he also shot 3 of 7 from 3. He grabbed eight boards and chipped in five dimes. Not bad for a two-guard, right? I mean, I'm halfway kidding about the two-guard, but we all know know that Jokic is the point guard, right? Okay, so what did we learn from this game? I think there were some actual valuable lessons. One, we kind of talked about it. When Jokic and Murray are motivated... They are capable of turning it on at any point. So we we hammered that point home. For the Celtics, I believe that Jason Tatum is actually taking a step. Now, I know it's a loss. I know it's their first loss at home. But here's the other question I have with it. I think the step is going to take a little while. I think he might need another year. And I'm not I'm not trying to throw shade on Jason Tatum. I just want to kind of alert everybody to what he's dealing with at this present time. All right. I think he's gonna fully understand his superpowers probably within the next 18 months. So keep that time, keep that time relevant to your head at this point. Then Keep in mind that he has so many levels that he's maturing on at one time. And also that he is 26 years of age. So this is what he's going through. He's growing in multiple fronts. He's growing as a team leader. Using his voice more. um, Expressing certain things in the game plan. Certain things that he sees with the team, he's becoming the vocal leader. Remember when last year we got to, we had Marcus Smart, we had Grant Williams, we had other voices that were doing that for Jason. This is not the case anymore. He's also an ascending star. And, and what I want to talk about that is whether you have them top 15, top 10, whatever, understand that he's ascending. So he's starting to figure out, okay, I can get this call. I can, I can persuade in a certain fashion to make it more, more advantageous for myself down, you know, in the fourth quarter. See, these are certain things that the little nuances of the game that Kevin Durant already have. These are, you know, LeBron has it. Steph has it. People of that elk have it. But he's learning this on the fly. Now, the other thing is that he's leading on the court. Okay? Now, what I mean by that is that sometimes Jason Tatum is allowing his defense to speak more for him, okay? He's allowing his his physicality and allowing 
the the player that he is guarding to feel him. This is something that when he put on the 15 to 20 pounds, we saw it instantaneously and we said that he's going to be a load to deal with now. And he's starting to use it. So he's taking defensive challenges. And then what you're also starting to see is that he's picking his spots offensively a little bit, uh, knowing when to score, when to go ahead and facilitate. And then last, uh, the last thing that he's doing is he's also ascending to being one of the faces of the league. Jason, Jason Tatum is remarkably uh, marketable. Okay, uh, this is just a fresh-faced kid who has a million-dollar smile. He's doing Ruffles commercials and all kinds of Dunkin' Donuts ads and and uh, Subway commercials and things of that nature. So this is a guy that hasn't really hit the prime yet because we think of the prime at 27. And this is all the stuff that he's getting on his plate this year. So this is why I say it might take another year. A couple of more notes. This is the kind of thing I want to kind of talk about Jason Tatum a little bit. And this is where I want to get to with this this little soliloquy that I'm giving you. Let's show uh, a little grace with Tatum here. I think that is it's probably a couple levels to his game that he has not reached yet. Now, if you think that Jason Tatum is awesome now, Think about when it all clicks, when it all slows down. Think of Neo in the Matrix, right? When he's pulling bullets from the sky. That's the level that Jason Tatum hasn't hit yet, and he's this scary now. So, I do believe there's a couple more levels to his to his game, and yes, when you stack him up against Giannis or you stack him up against Embiid or you stack him up against Durant, which he actually beat Durant, so you can check him off the list. But Curry, you know, Jokic, you're you're still wondering, is Jason at that level yet? Can he rise to the moment to elevate his team to victory? And I'm not saying that he can't. I think he could possibly do it this year. But I think it's the more formed Jason Tatum that we see down the road, which is the guy that can maybe rattle off like three championships in five years. I don't know if we're there yet. But here's some things that I do want to talk about. Um, can the franchise and the fan base show patience until the further maturation process is complete? The things that I think you're going to see, more aggressive going to the basket with Jason Tatum. I think as he starts to understand his strength and his size, he'll be able to use it more. Um, I think what you'll also start to see is elongated picking his squats, using himself as a post facilitator and scorer. Once he really understands that I'm 6'9", I'm 240, I'm as, you know, I'm about as big as LeBron Prime, right? I think LeBron is like 245 Prime. Um, I'm bigger, stronger, faster than a lot of these dudes, and I'm just going to push my way to the basket and get there. The other thing is maturing as a, as a vocal leader, of the franchise. This is something that you grow into. And remember, he had two years ago, he had Ibe Adoka, who was a really, really strong voice. Last year, he still had the remnants of like the previous squad. He still had Marcus Smart. He still had Grant Williams, you know, so he could kind of play the whack role and not really be the guy that needed to be the vocal leader. So all these things are coming together all at once with him. And I'm just wondering if Boston, even in a loss, as good as I think they are just as good as advertised. I think they have so much playmaking. I think they have so much playmaking in every position. 
I think they're extremely hard to guard when they're hitting their threes. And see, that's the thing, is that if Jason Tatum is still not at the level that he needs to be at, if this team is clicking and being the dead-eye shooters that they all can be, it might not make a difference whether he's at that level yet. He might be able to grow into that level with them winning a championship. That's how good Boston is. But they will have to slay that dragon that is the Denver Nuggets. And um, I know the Nuggets aren't number one I know in the West and things of that nature. And I know that the the Timberwolves and the and the Thunder, which we will get to a little bit later in this podcast, um, I have a whole thing on them. But I really am saying this: that until somebody beats Denver, I still got to pick them. I still got to pick them. The other thing that I saw from this game, and I think this is the key, where I think. Um, Boston might have, might need to really think about this. Denver's length was a great equalizer to the Celtics' uh, driving kick game because the passes needed to be a little bit more deliberate. So it took it a little, just like a split second longer to get there, and it allowed the defender that was in the help position to get to the corner to at least really kind of bother the three. That's what I saw in the game, is that with Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, you know, Jamal Murray not being a small guy, when they come off the bench, you're talking about Peyton Watson, you're talking about Julian Strother, you're talking about Christian Brown, you know, you're talking about length. They don't really have any tiny guys on their team. So if that's the case, I mean, Ricky, uh, Reggie Jackson is the smallest guy, but all in all, they got a ton of length, and they can get up on you and guard, and they are able to, they are able to get back from the help position to the corners to the three point shooters. And I think that's the one thing that we don't necessarily talk about with the Denver Nuggets. It's not that the length is so it's long and it's powerful is that it gets into the passing lanes to the point where you might have to make a more deliberate pass or a log pass to get it lofted over the lane. So they're able to go ahead and get back out to the shooters. So just a little thing that, you know, if you go back and look at the game, look at that and see how open Boston shooters were. Just a thought. All right. That was actually something that I wanted to get to first, but the main topic that I wanted to get to today is um, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I wanted to uh, really lock in on them, and I wanted to kind of put out a declaration for myself uh, to the Thunder fans and to the Thunder organization. The Thunder already have a big three. I'm going to go ahead and say that, period. Okay? Um, I think right now with SGA, Chet, and Jalen Williams of Santa Clara, J-Dub, however you want to call them, the wing, uh, Jalen Williams. Before we press Presty on making a move, we all need to see that they need a big, we all know that. We all know that they need another Krezis next to Chet. But let's not, let's let's put a little pause on the trades. And let me tell you why. Actually, I can hear you guys crying right now. But Vince, the Thunder have 39 picks. They have 17 first rounders, 22 second rounders. What's the difference? And giving up a couple picks, you can't, you're not going to be able to keep all these guys. And you're right. Okay. We're going to get there in a second. <clears throat> but here's the one thing about the, the big that you have to go out and get. It can't mess with the, the young big three ecosystem that you have. Right. You have Chet, J Dub, and SGA. 
Jalen Williams can flat out score. He gets on you on defense. He's a tremendous two-way player. We all know that SGA right now is flirting with some MVP status. He's in that lofty area of MVP. So we all know that he's going to be all NBA. We all know that. And then you now have Chet, who really is, just so everybody knows, Chet is second. Second in Defensive Player of the Year, if if you look at the Vegas odds, okay? Chet right now, Gobert, Rudy Gobert of Minnesota is absolutely running away with it. But Chet is number two. I think right now what you have to do is you have to look for, listen, a player like Anthony Davis wouldn't work in OKC for a myriad of reasons. That would mess with the development of the extremely talented core. Remember, Jalen Williams is in his second year. Okay. Chet might be in his second year, but really he's in his first year of actual playtime. So he hasn't even gone through the whole full regular season yet. So a guy that would have a situation where I need a certain amount of touches, I need a certain amount, you know, I got there's got to be things run for me would mess up the complete flow of what that team has going on right now. So when you go out and say they need a big, they need a big, and you want to throw out names out there, don't look for the necessarily like slam dunk big type of person. I think I have an archetype that we can look at, but we'll get to that. Um, this big to me would have to would have to be a complimentary piece. He'd have to suck up rebounds, be a defensive presence in the paint. It would be great if he could shoot threes. It would be great if he could shoot threes, but not necessarily, you know, that's the perfect guy, right? And then if you have that guy, then you're taking away from what the other three guys are doing and then the rest of the team, which we'll get to in a second as well. All right, so the guys that I kind of want to give you kind of an archetype on is this. Mitchell Robinson of the Knicks. Now, I know he's hurt, and I also know he's not available. So this is not, you know, apples to apples. Avicii Zubaz with the Clippers, also hurt. Going to be out for about four weeks. But he would be perfect for the OKC Thunder. But uh, the Clippers have already made a trade with the OKC Thunder. I can't see them going back to that well. It didn't work out very well for them the first time. Um, I understand that Paul George is having an amazing season, but if you look at Shea and you look at some of the draft picks, it's hard. I mean, the help Clippers helped build this this juggernaut, so you have that. Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that's too much star power. I I still think, even with him struggling, that's a guy that would still, because he was a high, high, high lottery pick, you'd have to implement that into the offense and you'd have to, you know, give him touches and and what have you and make him feel comfortable. Wendell Carter Jr., I really love him for the Lakers because we only need him to play 18 minutes. Now, he had a breakout game the other night where he had 25 and 11, um, I think last night. And, you know, if it's starting to get healthy, there might be one. But if if you're dealing with the injury history, you probably want to leave that one alone, right? Because we need this guy to play like 30 minutes a game. And then I looked at Paul Reed. Now, Paul Reed. You gotta go, you gotta go deep in the crates for this. So if you are a real hoop head, and if you listen to this podcast, I know you are. 
you know that Paul Reed probably fits what we're looking at. The only thing is, I think we can do a little bit better, just a tad bit better, right? But Paul Reed, if you couldn't get the perfect, perfect guy, here is a good second option. The perfect guy to me for them. Now, it doesn't have not necessarily everything we want, but it has a lot of stuff that we are looking for. We wanted somebody who could suck up rebounds, right? Just vacuum up rebounds. We wanted somebody who could protect the rim. We wanted somebody who could be a little more physical, right? Jared Allen might be that guy and be able to fit in perfectly with the OKC Thunder. Here's a guy who doesn't need a ton of touches, even though when given the opportunity to score, he can't. But it's going to be on dunks, it's going to be on drop-offs, things of that nature. It's not going to be on him by just killing fools with post moves. It's not Akeem Olajuwon. But it does serve a purpose, especially with this driving kick team that you got. The other thing is, is that now you got somebody standing next to Chet who can help him and bring some physicality that he doesn't necessarily bring at this present time. All we have to do is go back to the Clipper game earlier in this week, I think it was Tuesday, and saw that he was, you know, he he, he was just outside his mojo and they got they picked on him physically. So it's not that Chet won't get there. He definitely will. We are so FRPC has this dude as rookie of the year. So let's just put that to bed right now. But our guy Wimby is gaining on him. We're going to, have to probably do something on Wimby sometime next week. I might I have a guest coming. I have somebody who's really into the San Antonio scene. And I'm going to bring, I think I might have to unleash him next week. So stay tuned for that. Because Wimby is starting to make a real argument for this rookie of the year situation. All right, getting back to OKC. Getting somebody like Jared Allen definitely helps Chet in that regard, being able to bring some of the physicality. The other thing that he's going to be able to do is now you have two rim protectors who are excellent at blocking shots, who are deterrents at the rim, and now your your defense is even a little bit better than it is. Other than that, I'm still all of the opinion with the OKC Thunder, and it, it just uh, it boggles my mind just the amount of talent that they have. I mean, when you add now a movement shooter like Isaiah Joe and a young playmaker like Kaysen Wallace, that just gives OKC an incredible balance. And the Thunder are just so young with that. That's the other thing with this is not, we're not even seeing, like, Chet is 21, J-Dub is 22, 23, Shea's still 25, 26, you got so many young pieces, and they're still coming. Honestly, can we fault Krusty in just using the picks to find the complimentary big that will have cost control, especially with how many bites of the apple that they actually presently have? Now, I know for a lot of fans out there, that are trade mongers and, and you know we just loved we just love the hype of of whispers and rumors and what have you. Now OKC when they make a move nobody'll know because Presty has that thing locked up like a vault. But I wouldn't blame him if he said hey dude there's a couple bigs that are in this draft. We can try this out. And they're playing with house money because I think they're early to the dance. With J-Dub being, like I said, 22-23 and Chet just turning 21. 
and Case and Wallace not even being 20 yet. I mean, you got some situations right here where this has a lot of time to percolate. Now, in the NBA, we all know windows don't stay open forever. I do agree with you that it is better to be striking when the iron's hot to go ahead and make a move. But this team still has so much ammunition when it comes to draft. And think about what we're asking for. We're asking for a big that is a little more tougher, a little more physical than Chet, right? We're looking for somebody who can protect the rim. Kind of an athlete, basically, you know, a specimen. Sometimes you can find those in the draft, especially if you're looking specifically for that. And hell, with all the other picks, they still can still shoot for another home run guy. You know, if for some reason, not saying, listen, Thunder fans, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. But if for some reason you get priced out of the Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, lofty uh hemisphere he ends up in because if this dude is starting to make all mb all nbas and mvp runs uh the supermax is officially on and popping in oklahoma city okay this dude is gonna be 35 percent of the cap no doubt so keep that in mind so um I had a couple more stats for you, and I want to make sure I give credit to my guy, B-Ball, at B-Ball Index on, on X, B-Ball Index on X. The Thunder quality of threes is beyond better than anyone else in the NBA. They're shooting at a higher rate as well. Lou Dort just banging threes at a 40% clip without a soul around him because they don't respect the shooting. I don't understand this. They get so much great spacing because of the drive and kick game because when SGA goes to the hole and there's like three guys on him, Lou Dort is just standing out there like all by his lonesome, just shooting threes, playing defense, having a great life. God bless America. Um, when you when you have this many good ball handlers who can create looks for themselves and create gravity, CSGA, when I talk about that, that guys like Joe and Dort and Wallace can take practice rep threes, it's easy to see why OKC is for real. And at 30 and 11, with an offensive rating of 121.7, which is third to NBA, and a defensive rating at 113.2, with its seventh in the NBA. And they have a net rating, which ranks them second at plus 8.1. It's not, it's not hard to see why OKC is so, so good, right? It really isn't. They are early. I think they're vulnerable to a, a veteran-laden team. Uh, but I'm excited to see what kind of run they put together. Now, you know we can't leave you without some some real like news and notes and some rumors and, and what's going on. Because the trade deadline is coming up. We've had the we've had the OG Ananobi trade. We talked about that. We've had the Pascal Siakam trade. We talked about that early in the week. Now, we had a bonus pod on that one. So, remember, you're getting three pods this week, boy. That is great. Three. All right. So, here's what we got going on. I called them this. This is, I coined this. So, if I want, uh, I think I'm going to need to go ahead and and get this copyrighted. But the Bogdanoviches, I have coined them the Bogai. Okay, instead of calling them the Bogies, 
I call them the bogey because that's a more scientific term. Okay, we are we are analytical here on this podcast a little bit as well. Okay, we give you we give you dope entertainment, right? We're gonna give you some fun. We're gonna give you some news and notes, but we're also gonna give you a little analytics. Which again, shouts out to my guy on X, Big Wall at Big Wall Index for that uh, great little thing, and I'll put it in the. Uh, I'll put it in the YouTube clip, the the chart that he had on OKC with the shooting. But getting back to the to the rumors, the bow guy seemed to be on Philadelphia 76ers list of people that they're interested in. Here's my question. Can Daryl Morey think better in as far as an upgrade is concerned? We can talk all we want about salary cap space. We all know what that means. False hope. Okay. Salary. Now, I know that Philadelphia is different. They have the great center. Embiid is playing out of his mind. Maxi is playing great. And it would be an absolute tragedy to allow this team to kind of fall short by not picking up the pieces this year. But that's not the whole point. We talked, they talk about salary cap. There's multiple ways of using salary cap. You can actually go into the free agency and just have that salary cap, or you can use it in trade. You can say, I will eat up this salary cap now to go ahead and better my team now, and then I'll deal with the salary cap ramifications, you know, down the road. Or I just, this is what I have, and this works, right? There's multiple ways of doing it. I just wonder... There's there's a couple there's a couple things looking at it. I know that Embiid is not playing any better than what he is right now. Like this is the pinnacle of what Embiid has been. But also we're seeing a different Embiid. We're seeing an Embiid that is doing a lot more offensive facilitating. He's averaging like six and a half assists now. This is crazy. Okay, this is a guy who, when got double team, didn't know what to do. Now he's getting the ball out to shooters and trusting these guys to make the right decision. And it seems to be working because Philadelphia is playing great basketball right now. So it brings me to this question. Now, if you want to be patient and wait until the offseason, having five first-round picks, picks to trade instead of the three that the 76ers are going to have at the trade deadline, that might be something that you're thinking about if you're going for the big, big, big net. It just depends on who is out there. Can it fit financially? Will it mess with what they want to do in the offseason? I'm sure that Daryl Morey has about four or five different options on the table right now. And he's just looking on which option makes the best sense for the Philadelphia 76ers. Because here's the thing. You can go for the one-year glory, grab the guys you need and get it. And then, yeah, it, it works. And then maybe next year it doesn't work because, you know, uh, our guy, um, Pat Riley always talks about the disease of me when you win, right? So it's one of those things where I can see them definitely pulling the trigger and doing something. There's a lot of guys out there that would definitely help them. Uh, Bruce Brown, we'll get to some of the guys who are out there in a second. And I'm about to get into that right now because here we go. Here's another one that's out there. There's a lot of smoke around. Charlotte guard, Terry Rozier, per Jake Fisher of Yahoo. The Heat are looking for some more juice. And Terry Rozier would provide the Heat with some offensive punch. Because right now, the Heat are leaning heavily on rookie Jaime Hawkes Jr. Now, Jimmy Butler has been in and out of the lineup. We know all about what Jimmy is trying to do. He's trying to preserve himself for the playoffs. But right now, if 
the Heat are real serious about getting into that upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. They might need a little more offensive juice. Now, if they do get Kyle, if they do get Terry Rozier, you're also replacing the Kyle Lowry minutes. Our guy has been a great vet for a long period of time. He's been on some, he's been on a championship team, a lot of playoff teams, and he does provide a lot of great leadership. But if you can get a guy who can give you twenty plus consistently and play gritty basketball for you. I understand that Kyle Lowry is a great leader, but sometimes you just need more you just need more bullets in the gun. And Terry Rozier would absolutely provide that for the Miami Heat. Um here's the other question. You know I had to slip it in there. Why aren't the Lakers looking at Terry Rozier? It is absolutely beyond me. It would take less to get Terry Rozier because I'm hearing that Atlanta wants Austin Reeves in the DeJounte Murray situation. And it just seems to be a non-starter for the Lakers. We'll get to that. But here's a guy who's shown very well in the playoffs when he played for the Boston Celtics. Here's a player that would absolutely understand his role on a veteran-laden team led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I just don't understand why it just seems we're, we're stuck in this like superstar grab of, of people. I understand where I'm, I'm at. I understand the team that I cho- choose to root for. I understand all that. Clutch is always a relationship that you want to keep strong and fruitful. But sometimes you just have to make a move that is that fits your team. And instead of just wedging a player in, such as DeJounte Murray, who would like to have the ball in his hands, and you have LeBron James and Austin Reeves to do this. Now, let me say this. DeJounte Murray is averaging 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists a game. He's making 38% of his pull-up threes Okay, this year. He's also making 48% of his pull-up twos. So it's not like the Lakers couldn't use him. So please don't get, get it twisted that I'm sitting here saying to you that the Lakers do not need an upgrade somewhere. All I'm saying is that if you're looking at the two guys and you're looking at what Atlanta wants from you, how come you don't go out and get Terry Rozier, which who will cost you considerably less, and do basically the exact same thing? That is my question. Rant over about the Lakers. Now that Bruce Brown is a Toronto Raptor, I would tell that brother not to get a real estate agent anytime soon. I believe that Bruce Brown is going to be on the move. And what I mean by that is that there are teams already lining up to talk to Messiah Jerry about a Bruce Brown trade. Keep in mind, he fits a lot of contending teams. You know, a guy who doesn't need the basketball who does shoot the three when he's open, who does do pick and roll. He likes to set picks. He plays very good defense. Um, You know, it's just he's the perfect complimentary player to a team that is looking to win. And it's just, it's, it's, here's the other thing. The contract is crazy. So you got a team option on the contract. So whether you decide to keep him next year or you're just using him for the stretch run this year, you can either flip him to another team and recoup maybe some of your draft capital that you lost in the deal if you get him. Or if you just want to use it as cap fodder, you can go ahead and say, all right, well, Bruce, it's been real nice 
you fit us this year. Adios. And keep it moving and do whatever it is that you're going to do in the offseason. So it's a, an attractive contract to have. Would the Raptors want to a more promising young player who are getting a, enough playing time where they are, are right now? Or are they going to stockpile more picks to be aggressive in the upcoming seasons? I wonder what the next trade brings for the Toronto Raptors. Because in the first trade, they went player heavy. They said, we want Barrett and we want quickly. In the, tr- in the P- Pascal Siakam trade, they went pick heavy. They said, we'll take Bruce Brown, who kind of fits our team, what have you. But we might use him for trade. And we're also getting three first rounders back as well. So I'm, I wonder which way the Toronto Raptors will go with this next trade. Stay tuned because we will have more answers on this as it develops. Uh, what else do we need to get to? Oh, and also Masai already said that he is still looking to make more trades um, in his press conference. So this is not something that is out there and it's just, just reckless speculation. This is something that comes Straight from the man's mouth, the president of the Toronto Raptors said there will be more trades made. So he's looking to reimagine this team right now, and I'm I'm looking forward to it because we've had we've had a a like a, a I don't even know what you want to call it. I want sabbatical might be the best term. Couple years of sabbatical of Masai Jerry, but now he's back in the mix, mixing it up, getting trades done, and uh, I'm happy about it because. It's more to talk about. God dog it. All right. Back on to DeJounte Murray. Let's get back onto this real quick. The Nets, Bucks, Heat are all in on DeJounte Murray. Now, my question is this, is that, okay, I know that they asked for Austin Reeves from the Lakers. What does Milwaukee have to give? Does, does Milwaukee have this, like, young prospect that I, I'm not aware of? I mean, I know Giannis won't be in that deal. I know Dame won't be in that deal. Middleton is not a young prospect. Huh. I don't know how Milwaukee gets them. I think the, their name was just thrown out there. The Nets. Now, that's a team that you can worry about because they have all the desirable things that you would want. In a trade, they have the picks, they have the young players that fit what maybe Atlanta is looking for. That might be a team I can understand if they were giving you um, young wings uh, that would develop into a way that you feel comfortable with. I can see Atlanta doing something like that. I've also heard that Atlanta is looking to recoup a little bit of what they lost in the deal in the initial Murray deal. So remember, that was three picks and a swap. Now, I know that DeJounte hasn't been the defensive guy that he once was in San Antonio. Is that something that can be rediscovered? Would you be banking on that? How many firsts is that worth? That's the other question that you have to ask yourself. How many firsts is that worth to you to get DeJounte Murray? And where does that put you in the pecking order, which is either the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, depending on where he goes? But as long as he is out there, we will continue to talk about it. And I am extremely, extremely excited about it. All right. Let's get to this. Now that Pascal Siakam is in Indiana, what are the Golden State Warriors going to do? Now, first and foremost, what we want to do is we want to take this moment to send our condolences to the entire Golden State Warriors uh, organization from the Lakeups all the way down. They lost an assistant coach. This last week, Dijon, Mila Jacobs, Mila Jacobs, 
So butchering the name right now, um, but I do want to send my condolences to his family. Um, what we've heard of him, um, everybody's come out. Jokic, um, the both Bogdanovich's Michic from OKC. He has been instrumental in a lot of the Baltic state guys coming over here. Gogo Batate said uh, some glowing words about him as well. And from all that I've gathered with him is that his soul was beautiful. He came to work every day with a smile on his face. He came to work with gratitude in his heart. He came to work thinking like, we get to do this. We get the opportunity to do this. And if we can learn anything from this man's death, if you can just turn one phrase around, because I noticed that I have a different outlook when I say, I get the opportunity to do this rather than, oh, I have to do this. I got to I have to do this or I, I got to do this. But when I say, oh, man, I'm getting the opportunity to do this. It there's a whole. There's a whole essence with that. There's a whole presence with that. And that's what Dijon did throughout his time with the Golden State Warriors. And uh, again, I want to send out our heartfelt condolences to the entire Golden State Warriors organization and this man's family, his wife and kids. So uh, uh, Dijon was taken away from us way too soon. And it was a, it was a life well lived though. We can say that. So RIP to our guy. Now, getting back to the Golden State Warriors and the business at hand. What are they going to do? Because they're too small. And also, Steph, at this point, needs he needs a second guy. No offense to Clay, but right now, Steph Curry is carrying an offense. He doesn't have a secondary scorer to go with him. Clay can't give it to you every night. He just is the injuries and the age is all caught up with him. He doesn't have a lot extra to his game at this point. I think he could still help the Warriors in a in a tertiary role, but if you're asking him to be the second, the, the Robin to Steph's Batman, I just don't think he can carry that load. Kaminga. Kate. Kerr needs to trust him. You know, you need to trust this third-year player. Let him play his through his mistakes because he gives you the energy. He gives you the passion that you need on the court. He's giving you juice that your team desperately needs unless he's going to be in part of the, a trade to make your team better. Wiggins has been absolutely terrible this year. Andrew Wiggins, I don't know what went down, but the guy who was helping the Golden State Warriors to win a championship a couple years ago, grabbing like 12, 13 boards a game. That guy has disappeared and for some reason never to be seen again. Now, I'm going to I'm gonna take you back to a time that was better in San Francisco. They, they just won the NBA championship. Steph, you know, can't believe it. He won one without Durant. But in that celebration, there was a point where I saw Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole huddled up and their mics were hot. And they said, boy, we are about to get paid. And it struck me. They're talking about that. And the other guys are talking about, man, we just completed this journey of winning. Now, let me tell you something. I'm all about dudes getting paid. But here's the here's the funny part about it is. If you just keep doing what you're doing, 
you're going to get paid. If you continue to rebound and shoot the basketball and play the defense that you're doing, they don't look at your contract now and go, that's one of the worst contracts in the league. That is what I had an exec tell me about Andrew Wiggins' contract. It is one of the worst in the league. How do you go from second best player in the NBA Finals, and that is not hyperbolic. You had Steph, and then you had Andrew Wiggins, and then you can name like three or four Boston players and then come back to Boston. I mean, come back to uh, Golden State. But Andrew Wiggins was an absolute beast in that series. And now his contract is considered one of the worst in the league. If you keep playing well, you keep getting money. That's how it works. Look at LeBron James. He keeps playing well. He keeps getting paid. Steph Curry, 35 years old, keeps playing well, keeps getting paid. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of how it works. But I find it interesting. You should go back and find that clip because it, it is out there. Those two dudes, Jordan Poole, who is now in Washington struggling, and Andrew Wiggins were huddled up and talking about, boy, we about to get paid. They had just won the championship. Just won it. So it tells you where your priorities are. Now, here's the thing. We can talk about Wiggins. We can talk about Pazemski and how good a rookie year he's had. We can talk about Moody not getting the burn. That, you know, he needs to get 30 minutes to see what he actually is. Here's all this. All that can be done, but at the end of the day, we can look at this team and make an honest assessment. They're too small. Uh, Looney, for some reason, looks not... He looks not healthy. That's what he looks like. He looks like a person that is that is either not healthy or his because of the injuries that he has had have taken a complete toll and he's done. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not speculating on any of that. I'm just saying it's either one or the other. He's either injured right now or he's just been through so many wars and at 28, he's done, which is crazy. But it, the Golden State Warriors don't go out and make a move for something that is going to impact them on the defensive end and also be able to provide them with a scoring punch. So that is a heavy ask. You are talking about a real player when it comes to that. What do you do? Because if you can't get an impactful player that gets them into the mix, what are you doing with Steph Curry? I mean, I'm not sitting here telling you that you need to trade him. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there needs to be a plan to see the the last couple years of Curry's prime be valued and respected and put into a situation where he has an opportunity to win. All right, guys, with that being said, we can get up out of here. So happy Saturday to everyone. I appreciate everyone. Um, man, the downloads are crazy, but we are trying to get to the next level. And that next level is, you know, we got a bunch of community. I can open up a discord for everybody. That's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. So if you're a hoop fan, if you are in a fantasy, if you're in a betting, FRPC is the place to be. Front Runner Podcast Collective. Keep it locked with us on a weekly basis because two, three pods for sure. You know what I'm saying? Two for sure. Three, if we have to do a bonus pod. So you know you're always going to get the heat. And it's always going to be spicy 
when you come here. All right, I'm out. You guys have a good weekend, and we will see you back on this feed early next week. Be easy, deuce.